I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. Britta Bushnell is a renowned childbirth educator and doula, as well as a wife, mother of two, and now author of her first book, Transformed by Birth. She has a PhD in mythology, which she has brilliantly woven into her birth preparation series, Embotica. Her class is unique in that it's less about the mechanics of birth and more about the greater transformation that takes place when becoming parents, no matter where or how you give birth. Together, we talk about birth as a rite of passage and how to keep going on the journey when your intentions, capabilities, and ideologies are tested. All right. Well, Britta, I'm so excited and honored to have you on the show today. Um, You have not only created the most impactful childbirth education series, I think, in Los Angeles, but you yourself are a master and an amazing guide in supporting expectant couples on their journeys to becoming parents, both as an educator and as a doula as well. Well, I'm super honored to be here, and I'm so grateful that you invited me and that we get to sit here and have croissants and tea together Mm -hmm. while we also talk, because being in your presence is also a real gift to me. Thanks, Britta. Um, You're also a wife and a mother of two boys. I am. Who look, your sons look like the coolest and sweetest boys and like they're raised by the most awesome parents in they the world. are pretty special oh, yes and nice. i also have a goddaughter who is very very close That's to right. our life oh, yeah so, so i get my little bit of daughterish energy mm-hmm. through not through blood but through heart yes yeah oh, so wonderful um and you have a book coming out. I do. Transformed by Birth. So what? when is it actually on the shelves for people to buy in-store and or online? January 28th. Okay. It is... Coming up? Very soon, oh yes. So it's pre-order. You can pre-order it now, but you can actually hold it in your hands on January 28th. And I just received my advanced copies. We're sitting here with, with one of one? them. It's very exciting. It's like glowing <laughs> it's, in the it's corner. Pretty, oh. there's, there's a lot of ways in which birthing this book has been similar in certain ways to mm-hmm. birthing birthing a child, not in the physical sense of, you know, pushing a child through my body, but in the creation of something that matters, mm-hmm. the the creative process that is what gestation and childbirth are. Totally. And birthing something of, of this sort, I mean, it's been a really long pregnancy. <laughs> Very long gestation. <laughs> Very long gestation. Oh. And now kind of that on that precipice of birth. I mean, in many ways, I feel like for the last couple of weeks, I've been in labor mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, here it comes. Here mm-hmm. it comes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you yourself, did you find yourself being like, oh, my gosh, this is this is this threshold of labor and this is where I'm at transition quote or whatever oh, it may absolutely, be? absolutely. Because the the amount of birth metaphors mm-hmm. that I have, as well as metaphors for birth that I have, as you know, I work in metaphors a lot. Yes, <laughs> I. It it's like I keep going. Oh, there's a turn in my labyrinth, mm-hmm. and oh, here's another gate, and this is the yes. It's constantly I'm using both 
birth as a metaphor for this, Mm -hmm. as well as all the metaphors about birth that I use also apply to this. There's so it's there's a lot of similarities for anyone who is in a process of creating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Did you um, did you have any sort of like uh, doula for this book for yourself? (laughs) Actually had several. Oh, good. Yes. I had several. And they, I had friends who have written books before. Mm-hmm. So Lori Bregman, mm-hmm. who um, wrote uh, The Mindful, Mindful Mom-to-Be, she really has supported me a lot. Amazing. Uh, she also just came out with another book, uh, Mama Stay. And she's a doula. And she's a doula. Well. And she also lived in the town that I lived in until very recently and when I moved. And then... Kimberly Ann Johnson mm-hmm. of the fourth trimester. Right. She also was really supportive from that perspective of being both in the realm of birth mm-hmm. and also birthing a book. Wow. And then there were the people who were actually part of the team. Like my my agent was phenomenally mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was often the one that that energy of okay i got this for you okay let me help you yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that more advocate mm-hmm. side that was that is often needed when you're going through a place of birth yeah and then my team it sounds true my publisher my, when i recorded the audiobook oh my gosh seriously Haley, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was such a process mm-hmm. of birth and a th- so many thresholds of vulnerability wow. yeah and the editor of the audiobook and and the sound engineer what i described him to his face mm-hmm. on a regular basis i'm like oh you're my audiobook doula uh-huh. i mean it was he completely had to hold my hand while i was you know falling apart yep. and had to be like all right let's do it again wow. and moved me through it and that was 4 days so that's amazing <laughs> and who would have thought like that 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 part you know once the book is done you know you just have to read it but it's like there is that's a whole other thing that probably brings up yeah and and ways in which that's kind of similar to labor as well Mm -hmm. especially as a professional like when I was listening to your birth story Mm -hmm. that place of second guessing and using you know reading my words and knowing I couldn't change them yeah Knowing I couldn't change them, this was that it had one way yeah. through. I couldn't get out. Yep. It was only through. Yep. And that's a lot like birth. Totally. Yeah. You have to just keep going, have to to look at the words. And the number of times I'd be like, oh, I wish I'd said it, you know, <laughs> slightly differently or whatever. And, oh. and wanting to change that and having oh. to breathe through that and keep going and use the practices that I share in the book with myself yeah. through that that process. Yeah. And if I ever write another book, I'm not going to write so many long sentences. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing is finding the cadence yes, exactly. of, of certain sentences. Oh, my God. Was, and feel to take a pause and a breath and not like... <laughs> God, that's is that a run on? Should we uh, take a break? Yeah, they're not run ons, yeah, no, but they're course. just. Yeah. I, I as as you know, I'm kind of a complex speaker mm-hmm. and a complex thinker mm-hmm. in how I like to link things and connect them, 
And that works when you're just speaking mm -hmm. and when I'm writing. But when you're reading out loud, so <laughs> just, I got some, some moments to find the cadence yeah. of, of certain sentences. Do you think in um, – are you going to do like a little book tour? I am. And are I you going to read anything from the I book? I am. Yes. That's so exciting. So I haven't decided for sure okay. which sections I'm going to read cool. and what what elements, yeah. but I do in in a couple of places where I'll be visiting, I'll I'll read a few yeah. excerpts and and just or passages, something that can be a takeaway. Yeah. Because a lot of what matters to me is that when I engage with people, whether it's like with you right now on this mm -hmm. podcast for your listeners, I want people to have something that they can, that resonates for them and they can take away. Yeah. Something of value that whether they're in the process of giving birth or not, mm -hmm. they can go, oh, that made a difference and was worth my time this morning. Mm -hmm. Or Yeah. And speaking of, I want to, well... Before we get into your class, I, I, I do want to hear a little bit about your background in this field of um, parenthood, childbirth, journeys. Um, you, as I mentioned, you're also a doula, but if you wouldn't mind just kind of like how how did you get into this space of, of birth mixed with mythology and psychology? I mean, it's an interesting thing to reflect upon for me because in many ways I, I kind of consider myself a gatherer mm -hmm. in my life. Like I'm I've been carrying a basket my whole life. And different things have been going into that basket, mm. but I've had no idea what I was going to cook mm -hmm. with the elements that I gathered. Mm. So when I was eight years old, I supported my stepmom during the labor of my my oldest brother. And I wasn't there for the birth, but I was there with her during labor. And the two of us, she taught me how to play gin rummy, and we played cards, and she would have to pause between you know, when a contraction would, would happen, mm -hmm. and then we would play cards in between. And I, I got the rhythm and the flow mm -hmm. of labor as an eight-year-old. So did I have any inkling as, as an eight-year-old that birth would become part of my my life purpose? Mm -hmm. No, I had no inkling. But that went that experience went into my basket, and then mythology and ritual was something I was steeped in from a very young age with my my mom, mm -hmm. my my uh, mom who always really believed in the power of ritual and ceremony to make meaningful moments. Hmm. And so that thread was woven through my whole childhood. Wow. So more things put in the basket. But then the more classical way of answering that question is that I became a prenatal yoga instructor. That was my first professional foray. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was teaching yoga and working, I was general manager of Yoga Works in Santa Monica, and I was pregnant. And my boss was like, ooh, you're pregnant, you teach <laughs> yoga, why don't you teach the prenatal yoga? Right. And I had already also taught the kids' classes, because that was something that was really alive mm -hmm. for me, was teaching yoga to kids. I had been 
a preschool teacher in college as well as a birthday party clown. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I mean, so let's like in many ways, Mm. all of these were threads. I was a psychology major. And so those things kind of all kept going in my basket. And when I was a prenatal yoga instructor, I was finding that people were coming back to me after they'd given birth saying, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. My labor was really intense. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I Labor is really intense. Had you had your baby? And, and baby by then? Yeah, yeah. I, I gave birth to my first baby yeah. while I was a prenatal yoga instructor. So when they were coming back to me after I had given birth, I was like, that's kind of par the course yeah. is that intensity. It's a rite of passage in part because it pushes us through that threshold, Mm -hmm. that place of, I don't know if I can do this. That's inherent Mm -hmm. in a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. So I I started questioning myself in, in regard to, like, how was I teaching that was communicating to these Mm. students, oh, I'm just supposed to, you know, breathe my way through Mm -hmm. or, or yoga my way through, and it's supposed to look a particular way. And that's then what led, that inquiry led me to take a training with Pam England of Birthing From Within in 2002. And I started, you know, I loved that. I loved that philosophy. It really connected with my own spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. which was a lot about holding holding open the possibility of multiple truths rather than believing Mm. in a single one. Mm -hmm. And that just really connected for me. So I worked with with and in conjunction with Pam and Birthing From Within for many years. Mm -hmm. And then when that had kind of wrapped up and lived its course in the way that it, it did for me, it was, okay, what do I want now? And that, again, it's like what... What am I hungry for? What do I want to put in my basket now? Mm-hmm. And that led me to graduate school in mythology, which, of course, as sometimes happens, I went to graduate school thinking it would be the launching off to something next mm-hmm. that may not include birth because now my children were older and, you know, I mean, they weren't that much older, sure. but they were not babies. Yeah. But that's not what happened. It was as if I went through graduate school wearing birth-colored glasses, and all I could see in every class I took, in every paper I wrote, it was looking through birth-colored glasses at mythology, at uh, ritual, rites of passage around societal myths Mm -hmm. and ideals, because that was a lot of what my program was about, was not just great myths of the world, but really about how do you have a mythological perspective? Mm -hmm. And so when it came time to write my dissertation, which really became the research phase for my book, Mm -hmm. I, I had to write about birth. Wow. And was that something that your professors were like, yes, like, or had they had they put that? I mean, were they like, that's that's an amazing, you know, connection, or was it something that inspired, you know, for them to see things differently as well? Like, was that that must have been a really cool experience for them too to kind of yeah, I see think it, it from that perspective. I think it was. I mean, it was interesting. We had a, a course 
a, a small group that was called dissertation formulation, mm -hmm. where you had to sit with a couple of other people and a professor and craft sort of the outline of your dissertation. Mm -hmm. I was in a group with three men, mm -hmm. only one of whom had children. <laughs> that was my that was my group. Wow. And yet when I went through it, they kept saying to me, This this needs to be a book. Yeah. This isn't just a dissertation. This is something more than that. And so I think that's in many ways where the seed was planted. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Just give me the chills thinking about that. That's so great. Um, and I think, so I do want to talk about your class in Botica because personally speaking, I felt it was so, so special. And, and the biggest part of it was, as we're talking about, the mythology part of it and like you just said like this broader scope that the mythological scope about birth because as I've seen as a midwife and and I used to teach childbirth education classes there it can be very um it can actually be a little bit narrow-minded in the sense that like not only anatomically speaking of like this is this is how birth happens and that's that of your uterus and your cervix opens and but also there can be a little bit of a nudge towards a certain way of birthing mm -hmm. um and I think for someone who's planning an unmedicated, unmedicated birth, it goes much deeper in, in talking about if you choose to go that route, you know, why you should, in the moments of doubt and labor, when you're like, why am I doing this? I can't do this. It helps you collect yourself of like, why am I doing this? Because it's more than just like, you know, bearing through it, and it's it's more about sort of the journey and a, and a, and a, and about transformation, um, or the benefits of unmedicated labor of like being able to freely move in labor and have and eat and drink. It's 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 much bigger than that. So I think, um, you know, for for people who are interested in that, it it doesn't you don't clutch and hold on to those to those certain things. So. How did you, I mean, from, from birthing from within and, um, well, first of all, did you, did you, did you use in from your basket from when you were, um, you know, pregnant with your babies, did any of that stuff come to you naturally organically when you were in labor as far as coping tools or even in the pregnancy and parenthood, you know, the, the other, the other sides yes. of this? Yes. Yes. I mean, I have... It's, it's so interesting because one of the things that I think can really get us into trouble is expectations. Mm -hmm. Now, expectations have a value, but they also have a shadow side. Mm -hmm. And one of the ex expectations I had in pregnancy was that I was going to be an earth mama. Like, I was going to be pregnant, mm -hmm. and I was going to love it, mm -hmm. and I was going to embrace it, and I was going to walk into the world like, I'm pregnant, you know, and just <laughs> love all the changes and the mm -hmm. shifts. And I was a yoga teacher who lived my life in leggings, mm -hmm. and my body changed so rapidly. Mm. And so dramatically, mm. and I was one of those, you know, gain 50 pounds kind of, of pregnancy. It was a little more than 50 pounds, actually, <laughs> where I, I had as much weight gain in my ass mm -hmm. as I did in my, in my belly. Right. 
And so it's like very yeah. well, well balanced, oh, yeah, you know, on the two, yeah. the two sides. And I share that not because I, you know, judge myself for that, but because what got me into trouble mm. was the fact that when I felt that those changes going on in my body, my expectation was that I was going to embrace it fully and love every minute of it. And what happened was I was like, oh, wait a minute. This doesn't feel so good. I'm really heavy. I, I, it feels hard to move. And, and it surprised me. And what it's, it's then the third step, which was the judging myself for judging myself. So that was the part that was the painful part. It's like if, if I had just been able to hold space for the part of me that wished I had been embracing it with ease, mm -hmm. there would have been less suffering. Mm -hmm. It was the judging that I wasn't embracing it with ease that was the hard part. Right. And I think that comes up a lot in labor, birth, and, and new parenthood, yeah. is that in, in Buddhism, a lot of times it's referred to as the second arrow. You know, it's like the first arrow is the experience. Mm -hmm. Then there's the arrow we shoot at ourselves for how we are experiencing mm. that experience. Mm -hmm. And that one is the one where it's like we don't have control over what is happening or how we are experiencing it. But can we wrap ourselves in some tenderness around how we are experiencing mm -hmm. what we are experiencing. Mm -hmm. So that piece was very illuminating for me mm. during my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I actually went to a therapist and uh, somebody I had seen before, and I said to him, I'm really struggling with this, the fact that I'm having a hard time with the fact that I'm having a hard time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and his response to me was, you know, a lot of women when they're pregnant love what's happening to their body. And I was like, oh, you just <laughs> totally missed the boat. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. You're that, like, I that, know. Was, that was fueling right? the voices already that were, were being upset with myself. Mm -hmm. So that piece is one that it gave me some insight mm -hmm. into what also needed to be true for labor, what also needed to be true for birth and, and new parenthood, mm -hmm. and to start really paying attention to how I am with my, how I'm being with how I'm being. Yeah. That piece. Yeah. And I think that is really critical, especially in parenthood. Yes. <laughs> and it has served me well through my, you know, my my oldest is turning 20. Wow. You know, so, yeah. And it does require some sort of lifting off from your body, you know, to, to be able to take a second and say, like, how am I being with how am I being, yeah. you know? But it, it's a very conscious decision to to kind of make yourself objective and hover above yourself to say to like assess the situation um because otherwise you just go down this it's a spiral effect and and the expectation is is 
crushing in a way, you know, because knowledge is power and it's a wonderful tool, but then we clutch onto it a little bit too much from what we've seen or what we've experienced. And then it becomes like this weapon, you know, against us. And so it's a really fine line, you know, and a balance. And again, going back to your class, I felt that was so beautifully well executed of you didn't give any specifics about childbirth in the sense of like, and this is when active labor begins and this is when transition happens. It was just, it was a much more vague, which I know is frustrating as well for a lot of expectant parents because you want specific signposts so that you know exactly that it's going well when it actually happens or it's not going well or it's not normal or whatever it could be. But it just leaves it a little gray. um, On purpose. On purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Which is huge. It's huge. And, And a lot of that speaks to our cultural need for certainty mm-hmm. and control and that you know in a society where we have answers in our pockets in the mm-hmm. form of smartphones to nearly 24/7 yeah. you know how often do we sit at a dinner table and someone says you know i wonder was that was that 2008 or was that 2009 and we don't sit and discuss when it happened whatever this event was we look it up. Mm-hmm. We look it up, and we we just don't even allow ourselves that feeling, that amorphous feeling of I don't know. And as a result, the way that I teach and what I talk about in the book is really birth is something that resides outside of that zone. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't have that linearity that we crave so highly. It has. A wild, it's 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 as as you know. I talk with myth, and mm-hmm. so I talk about the twins, the Greek twins of Artemis and Apollo, and Apollo really represents all that is typical in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's ordered, it's put together, it's socially acceptable, it's bright lights, it's you know. Um, He's one of the gods of music because there's a predictability mm-hmm. and a rhythm and it makes sense and all Formula of that. And- Formula. And and yet he's just one side of the twin pair. And the other mm-hmm. side is Artemis, who, incidentally, is the Greek goddess of childbirth. Mm. And why do we think she's the Greek goddess of childbirth? She's also the goddess of the wilderness. Mm. She's the goddess of things that are out of control. Things that have an order to them that resembles chaos. And that's a different kind of energy. And birth has that. Birth inherently is an animalistic process. So we want to impose Apollonian structure to something that is Artemisian, that is wild, Mm -hmm. that is, you know... um, cacophonous but ordered Mm. in its own way that is more like the cycles of day and night Mm. and of the seasons and of life and death Mm -hmm. that is of the earth and close to the earth rather than lofty and bright Mm -hmm. and put together. Mm -hmm. So when teaching about birth, if I say to you, 
active labor looks like this, or it happens like this, or the water breaks at such and such point, that's applying Apollonian ideals to something that is Artemisian. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't help us when we are in the throes of it. Mm -hmm. Much of the anxiety that we feel heading into birth Mm -hmm. is because we know we're heading into that other realm that is so different from the Apollonian existence that is our day-to-day. And so we want to grasp hold of more Apollonian structure and ideas and certainty to take care of that anxiety that is actually meant to help us move more into the letting open, Mm -hmm. stepping into some of that cacophony, into that that order that connects more to nature and wildness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have to expand our expectations rather than narrow them. So that's how I teach. I mean, so you got to see it. It's like talking about the, you know, well, it could happen like this and it could happen like that and it might be like this and it might be like that. And to keep expanding expectations rather than narrowing them. Yeah. Because that's, I feel like as a midwife, is the hardest part in supporting a woman in labor when, you know, she keeps coming she keeps floating back to her Apollonian brain and saying, how much longer? Right. Where are we at? You know, and then a contraction comes and her eyes roll to the back of her head and she's in the Artemis, you know, totally. Phase. And she's We've both seen that, yes. right? Yes. And oscillating yeah. between worlds. And you want to give her an answer. You know, you want to say how many more contractions there are. Right. But, but it's also you want to support what they say, the labor brain, you know, is the yeah. Artemisian brain of this feral beautiful, wild, you know, unknown place. And, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's such a dance of how to, yeah, give someone the knowledge to feel safe and secure in traversing this underworld and, and this labyrinth, but not be uh, scared when they don't see that exact thing come up, you know, or if it looks differently um yeah so it's it's it is it's it's allowing space to be untamed yeah because that artemisian brain that labor brain that that instinctual brain uh is really an untamed brain Mm -hmm. meaning it's uncivilized Mm -hmm. and yet the tell me is coming from that civilized part, Mm -hmm. which is what we've lived in our whole life. So it's totally understandable that those are the questions that come up because it is so unfamiliar to step into this untamed part of ourselves Mm -hmm. and to to ride the waves of intensity that comes with that. Because it isn't all white nightgowns and candles. Right. Yeah. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It, it requires something that is gritty and wild and untamed. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like those calls, you know, those the call outs for, for how much longer, it's almost like the voice is, you know, calling from the underworld of like the la- pulling at the last sort of like, can I do this sort of thing? And, you know, yes, I used to want to fix that. And then having a child myself, 
having gone to, you know, many births, I now sort of just, obviously I, you know, physically support as well, but I don't try to fix it as much because I think it's just almost like she, it, it is, it's like, it's breaking a part of the part of you that you once were a little bit. And I, and I think that's necessary. Um, but I also think it's interesting that, you know, you must, you must attract a certain group of people who want to go there, you know, cause that's birth can bring up a lot, you know, with your partner, with your own mother, with yourself. And so I'm sure, you know, it, it attracts a certain, yeah, a person who who is who's ready to take that journey into it. It's like almost like doing an ayahuasca, you know, ceremony. It's like, are you ready to, you know, go through that? So, um, yeah, I I think that my my work, whether it's the book or or my classes, attract people who are feeling the inklings of just how big this process is. It's, it's definitely, it, it requires a simple crack. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be big. I just, I had a, a review of, of Transformed by Birth by Lamaze International. Wow. just came out. And in that, the author wrote, the author of the the review wrote that it's really for individuals and especially couples who are interested in facing birth as a growth opportunity. Mm. And I think that's true. It's like yeah. if you're if you're interested in moving through life growing, then I think that's that's sort of all that you need. Yeah. to come to my class yeah. and have it be successful for yeah. you, helpful for you. Um, I've, in in the whole time I've been teaching, which is 18 years um, of that that class, mm-hmm. I was teaching prenatal yoga before that, but, but of classes, I've had one couple leave during the, I was going to ask, in the middle, during, without completing sure. the whole class. And that particular couple, um, the the birthing parent, the mom, was really um, she needed to stay in her innocence. It was it was too much, and I really valued that that was you know. And and her partner was like, okay, I'm going to protect you. Yeah. So it was like in that in their decision mm-hmm. to step out, mm-hmm. they actually got something really valuable. Totally from from the experience. And that actually made them grow. It's actually quite brave. <laughs> very and brave. Very mature yeah. to say, no. Yeah. I don't, this is not for me. It's 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 too hard. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, and as you shared in your episode about your experience, um, it's it can be vulnerable mm-hmm. taking, you know, my classes are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There's a um willing, it re- does require a willingness to say, okay. I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. Now, how much you choose to share or not share when sure. you're in class is completely up to you. I'm, it's not like, you have to, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it is, um, people do leave feeling a little awakened. Mm-hmm. Awakened and 
rattled, quite frankly, in a good way. You know, you go there subconsciously wanting to be shaken up and you don't know why and you leave kind of broken in a way that feels it's like the first cry after a long cry like it's so it's like it feels so good at the end of it but also it feels so hard during it and um and I just I distinctly remember in my labor thinking like you know unbeknownst to me I am nine and a half centimeters but I was in the shower by myself like I can't do this you know and I'm like why and then I just said, like, let it, let it break you. Like, let, let this, it's okay. You're not going to die. You may feel like it, you know, but nothing is actually hurting you. So let it just transform you, yeah. you know? And, and it was a distinct moment to go back to that experience of, and not sort of, um, not just sort of get through each contraction and bear it, you know, cause I, I just feel like it's not enough to hold on to in, in the throes right. of it. And I feel like, that's sometimes what happens, um, you know, if, if you don't have this bigger perspective around yeah. birth. Well, that's that's exactly why I work the way that I work is so that when you get, get into labor, it's not a I'm I'm going to do this mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. called labor, mm-hmm. but it's practicing how do I get out of labor's way? How do I let go of the ego me? so that birth can do what it needs to do. And sometimes that includes reaching over to the Apollonian world and saying, I need your help. Mm -hmm. Come help me Mm -hmm. because this part isn't working. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the body doesn't work in the way that we anticipate, want, or expect. Yeah. And so in in the way that I work, it's like I want you to touch those places of how do I both work so hard in the direction I want to move in while simultaneously surrendering mm-hmm. to all that that is this. Mm-hmm. So that's also something I want to talk about as well. When When one does have to reach for the Apollonian, you know, support – and perhaps, you know, this is a podcast dedicated to the out-of-hospital birth right. experience. It does not mean that every intended out-of-hospital birth ends up that way. There is a time and a place for, um, for you know, more medical help in the form of transferring to a hospital, which can be very challenging for that couple who are planning um you know, to have to intend for a birth to happen one way and it to end up in a completely different way. And um, how to, you know, surrender to that when all of a sudden your birth was complete one, you know, totally Artemisian in water and your hair's in your face and it's dark and it smells of birth and it's hot to like cold, bright lights, you know, lots of people around you you don't know. And, um, how to kind of move through both, yeah. you know, and how to sort of surrender to both. Because um, I think it's, it's I, I, I don't want to give off this idea that every birth, you know, on this podcast also is like this blissful thing that everyone who plans a home birth gets to have a home birth. Um, even if you have a home birth, it can still be very different than how you think. Yeah. And it can be really 
it can bring up a lot of stuff, you know. So um, in your experience working with, because you also used to have a mother's circle, Mm -hmm. um, and you worked a lot with postpartum um, parents. And I still work with postpartum couples and individuals. Yeah. And so what has, you know, what's your experience of what have, what have, been those mothers and parents experiences with transfer or a birth that looks and feels very different than they expected going back to sort of the expectation piece um what's the hardest part about moving between worlds like that yeah if that that makes sense yeah i mean there's so many different ways that i could answer the question that you've just asked. I mean, I think the first thing that I want to say is that there's no magic pill or Mm -hmm. process that makes everything okay. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is um, important to remember is that birth is if it if you choose to see it this way, birth is a rite of passage into something. You know, it takes you across the threshold from from being not a parent to being someone's parent. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's a second birth, it's or a third birth. It's like it's across from I don't have this child to now I am this child's parent. Mm-hmm. It is it is that that liminal space that crossing into something else, and as such. There is going to be something that tests us, that makes us question who we are. Mm. And it might be, there might be a moment in pregnancy. Some, for some people, it's actually even in getting pregnant mm-hmm. with fertility challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be during pregnancy. It could be in labor. It could be during birth because I usually separate those two things Mm -hmm. because I think labor is one thing, birth is another, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then postpartum and parenthood. Somewhere along that continuum, you're going to be tested. You don't get to pick Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you're going to be tested. Mm -hmm. So even those who have the, you know, euphoric home birth that has magic and all of that those feelings, which we've both seen and experienced, so we know they they exist, those parents are likely still to face some forms of challenge. I, I think back to a client that I had many, many years ago who took my class and had the birth that she really wanted. And she was so excited about it and wrote to all of her classmates about this amazing birth that she had, and she got exactly what she wanted. Mm. And Two weeks later, she wrote me back about what was happening for her with breastfeeding Mm. and how much she had, like, all of the metaphors and the things that I had shared in my class that she was like, I didn't really use those in labor. It was just like I just had to get through it, and I did, and it was beautiful. But she's like, wow, wow, now all of those make so much Mm. sense to me because she was facing twists and turns and gates in her breastfeeding journey. So much so she came back to me (laughs) for multiple classes for her other children. But it was like that piece that, 
you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And one of the ones that is often really challenging is an unexpected shift in location mm. of birth. So that can be those who are hoping for a hospital birth who give birth in the taxi, you know, mm -hmm. or in the car mm -hmm. on the way or, you know, or in the lobby or, you know, there's the lobby baby story totally. from <laughs> Seth yeah, Meyers. Yes, you know? yes, that's right. It's like when, when things of that magnitude don't happen in the way that the story in our mind has played out, it can be extra jarring to the psyche. Yeah. And so that shifting of, of the desired Artemisian elements of a home birth to now I'm moving into basically what is a temple to Apollonian yeah. values, which is a hospital. Yeah. Um, that how do you how do you hold that? How do you open space for that? And I think it's a process that needs to start early in the journey. Mm. And it has to do with that opening up the mind to even the possibility. Now, a lot of people are like, no, don't even look there. Mm -hmm. Don't even look there. I actually think that if you don't look there, it actually makes it bigger. Yeah. Okay. One of my midwife friends, um, uh, Nicole, sorry, Nicole Morales. Mm -hmm. Do you know Nicole down in San Diego? She's wonderful. And she's a spinning babies trainer as well. And Nicole wrote a blog about how often we think about a lot of things in birth. I mean, she was specifically talking about pain, mm. but as Voldemort mm -hmm. of Harry Potter, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, oh, don't don't use its name. You know, don't talk about it right. so that it doesn't make it big. Right, right, well, right. I actually think that gives it more power. So I and and in the Harry Potter books, it gives him more power Absolutely. by everybody calling him, you know, he who shall not be named, you know, yes. you know who, yeah. you know, the whole thing. It's like he it it like made mystery. Mm -hmm. So I using some of that Harry Potter wisdom, you know, there is that element of let's look at it. Let's let's open up the worry box mm -hmm. in our mind and say, oh, what's in there? Not from a place of I want to create it, but from a right. place of I'm courageous, I'm brave. Mm -hmm. And from that place of curiosity, courage, and bravery, I'm going to open it up so that I can say, all right, if this were to become part of my birth, what would I need to know or do to keep going? Mm. Because that's the key, mm -hmm. is the keeping going. Yeah. It's the keeping going with the energy, keeping going with the surrender, which sort of sounds like a counter to keeping going, but right. it's like the, the con continuing to let the process manifest and unfold as it needs to. And doing that in the moment. So if in labor, there is a moment of, oh, okay, a midwife saying, we need to transfer. We need to go to the hospital. It's like, okay, in that moment, what do you need to do to take an extra breath, to, to shift yourself into the place of, of, yes, this is the next step of my journey? Mm. You know? And how do I keep going? In addition to that is how can you bring some elements 
of your Artemisian world with you. Mm-hmm. you know? uh, whether it's sunglasses to help with the darkness, uh, you know, earphones to to headphones to keep kind of that place of of auditory privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a blanket over your head. Like, what are the things that are possible? And what matters? Mm-hmm. It's coming back to what matters. Right. What matters? What matters? And simultaneously allowing holding of multiple realities. So holding space for yes, I want to see my baby, and yes, I'm going to do everything I can to keep going, and I'm sad and disappointed that this is happening in this way. Mm -hmm. We like binary truths. We want to be happy or sad, Mm -hmm. and we're way too complex Mm -hmm. for that Mm -hmm. as people. Instead, I think we need to say, I'm sad and I'm ready to keep going. It's the power of and instead of or. Which is huge and something that, yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't often, we're not allowed to feel both things, but it's like we get to hold in our hands the the twins of Apollo and Artemis. We get to hold, you know, the, 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 both the light and shadow versions of ourselves. And, and so in knowing that, you know, for, for pregnant listeners, like if that came up, that that's exactly what's happening for them. You know, it's like, that's, they're now just experiencing the shadow part of the same journey, which is towards, you know, now becoming a parent of this, of this child. Um, but it's so, yes. And it, and it's also, it doesn't mean you, you go forward being like, oh, this is my shadow self, and right. here we go. No, you know? and and it it makes me think of another client that I worked with who's actually in the book um, who was planning that this couple was planning a home birth and was super excited about it, and they're very naturally minded and super powerful and mm-hmm. strong couple. Like, you know that kind of couple yeah. that you see and you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they got stuff. this. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they got this. Uh, yeah. Right? And they had that energy in, mm. in my class. And they found out about halfway through taking my class that they had placenta previa mm-hmm. and that a cesarean birth was going to be in their future. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a, whoo, wait a minute, you know, oh, wait, not only are we not having like the the home birth with this and that and the other, we don't even get our midwife. We don't get like we don't get right. to labor. We don't none of that. Like there were mm-hmm. so many things that had to be stripped away. Mm. But that was their rite of passage. It was actually the process that whether they needed it or I, you know I'm not going to go into that whole like they needed to go through. It's sure. like who knows? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter the why. It is the what. It is the what of what happened. For them, their journey meant going this path. Yeah. And so their choice was in the place of, okay, now what? Mm. How do we embrace this rite of passage, which I and they were able to as well see it as 
that was the ordeal of their rite of passage. They thought they were selecting the box for hard, intense, physical <laughs> home birth, right. you know, labor yeah. experience. But instead, this was what they got. Yeah. And how do they use that to help them know what, you know, to, to become who they need to be mm. as parents mm -hmm. to this child? And that's something that, you know, I remember you saying uh, to me as a new mom, you know, it's like we have all these, isn't it, isn't it wonderful that we have, you know, all these expectations of like what a good, what a good parent is or how, what exactly we'll do to parent this child whom we've never met, you know, right. and, and, and then it all just, you know, blows up in your face one way or another um, and I think sometimes, like you said, where do, where do you get it in your journey? You know, mm -hmm. whether it's fertility or the labor or the birth or breastfeeding, but um, it's like, oh, here here it is, you know, and and sort of like a signpost, you know, it's it it's almost reassuring in a way when it comes up, and and that because everyone goes through it, but yeah. um, but it is sort of like a oh yeah. this the here it here's the gate. You know, to yeah. parenthood. And, and I think that's part of what it parenting is such a humbling experience. Mm -hmm. And I think our culture needs more humility. Yeah. And so if we come out of our birth experience righteous, how does that help the world? I think there's great value in being both exuberant, yes, we can be thrilled about our birth experience, but also knowing the humility of, of hard work, mm -hmm. whether that hard work comes in the form of intense contractions or the hard work of letting go of an idealized birth image. Mm -hmm. It is how do we be tender with ourselves and grounded in our humility mm so that we can be better parents to our children and also better humans on this planet. Totally. Which I think is like the most beautiful way to end <laughs> this episode, even though I want to talk to you forever and ever. But that's just the most, you just, yeah, said it so well. Because it's it's so much bigger than just this one event. And, and yeah. It's about being transformed into a to a. It's like both to a more evolved human and a more a more humbled person with yeah humility and yeah. Um, vulnerability which we need yeah. in our world. So yeah. while we while still celebrating yes still celebrating we can be humble and celebrate mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, Britta. it's such a pleasure oh, to be here. Thank you. So thank you beautiful. so much. Yes. I love talking with you. Me too. It's thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.